Father in heaven, here we are again, the, one, the ones that you love. We're so glad we belong to you. And here we are gathered to hear from you and you speak by the power of your spirit into our lives and change us and make us more like Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. Well, there is this uh, guy, actually, he was a kid in the neighborhood, and his name was Jimmy, and Jimmy loved to play hide-and-seek. Now, those of you that didn't grow up playing hide-and-seek, it's a very simple game. One person was a seeker, and everyone else went to hide. The seeker would close his eyes and cover his eyes and count out loud to 100 and then say, ready or not, here I come, and everyone else had hidden, and he had to go and find those who were hidden. And then the last person to be found won the game. Basically, that's the concept. Well, the thing about Jimmy is Jimmy played hide-and-seek so well, you could never find him. And so, so every time we play hide-and-seek, we couldn't find Jimmy, and we'd just give up, and we'd walk off. Well, Jimmy would finally come find us, and he'd be all mad. You didn't find me. You quit searching. We said, Jimmy, you got to let yourself be found. And Jimmy would say, well, it's not. It's hide-and-seek. It's not hide-and-quit. And we'd go back and forth, and who made up the rules anyway? Who cared about anybody anyways and all that and so forth? And we'd be mad, and he'd leave, and we'd leave, and next day we'd play again. <laughs> and again, Jimmy made it so hard to find him that we couldn't find him. And I think today Jimmy's still hiding out there somewhere. <laughs> but this game, Hide and Seek, really is an interesting game because I think Jesus actually talks about how God is with humans in Hide and Seek language. Let's go ahead and look at a passage together. So if you got your Bibles handy, you can turn there or you can look up on the screen. We'll put the verse on the screen. Because I believe that evangelism, people being converted to faith in Jesus Christ, is a lot like the game of hide and seek. Luke chapter 15, Jesus talks about God and the human race in hide and seek language. Let's read it. Luke 15, starting verse 4. Jesus says, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Jesus talks about God and the human race in hide-and-seek kind of language. Now, in the game hide-and-seek, there's the one person who is the seeker, right? So what is that person called in the game? It. Nobody wants to be It. In fact, the game starts off, everyone's saying, not it, not it, not it, until the last person to say not it is it. And so it's interesting because it is the one who is seeking those who are hiding. And at the end of the game, if people hide themselves so well that they elude it, the whole game, it yells something out. What does it yell? Someone say, ollie, ollie, oxen free? How many of you were taught ollie, ollie, oxen free? Nobody knows what that means. It's like liberate the oxen in Latin or something. I don't know. 
But we used to say, all ye, all ye income free. I guess we were like uh, old English or something. <laughs> but the point of the game was at the end of the game, everyone understood what that meant. That meant you could come out of hiding now, that you weren't going to be tagged, you wouldn't be it. You could come home safe. The game was over and it's safe to come out. It's safe to come home. Now, this story that Jesus tells is a story about searching. It's a story about shepherd and his sheep. Of course, it really is a story about God and human beings. Now, who is it in this story? God. God is it. God is the one searching for people who are hiding. Ezekiel 34 verse 11 says this, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. So God is it. And there's never been an it quite like him. He's the most passionate it, the most passionate seeker in the universe. So our God is a seeking God. Now, people tend to hide all the way from Adam, hiding in the garden. People have been hiding from God. But God is seeking them out. And people get found when they finally quit hiding and come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That's when the hiding is over. And that's when people become part of the family of God. But something else happens at that time. Now, let's think back again at the game of hide and seek. If you got found in the game of hide and seek, then the way we played when I was a kid is then you helped it find the others who were hiding. You helped it and you became one of the seekers, the searchers, finding the hiding people. Well, this is also true today with the church. Each one of us has been found by God, the searching God, the seeking God. We're here today. We believe in Christ. Those of you who do believe in Christ. That happened because God searched you out. He found you. He drew you. And you came to repentance and faith in Jesus. But when that happened, you actually now are to join him in searching for the other lost sheep, just like in the game. In fact, when you came in, you should have received, I know sometimes so many people are coming through the door, they don't get everything that is being handed out, but you should have received a lifesaver, one individual lifesaver in a packet. If you didn't get one on your way out, because I want you to live with that for a few days. Some of you have already eaten it, I know. <laughs> but I want you to live with that lifesaver. I want you to put it in your pocket. And I want you to put it by your keys. And I want you, when you reach in, I want you to fumble with it and go, oh, yeah. I'm a lifesaver. I've been saved, I've been found, and now I'm supposed to be helping God, who's it, find the other lost sheep, the other people hiding. I'm a lifesaver. I'm here on a life-saving mission. One of the reasons I'm here is I'm here to help find those who are hiding. I'm help, here to help find the lost sheep. I'm here to cooperate with it the ultimate it, God himself, in finding people and helping them come to know Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to uh, think about how you would finish this statement for a moment. I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to say blank. And just in your head, think about how you'd finish that sentence, okay? All right, here's a sentence. 
if I become a really devoted follower of Jesus Christ, I will become blank. How would you fill in the blank? If I become a real devoted follower of Jesus, I will become blank. How would you finish the sentence? Now, some of you might say, well, I'll become a holier person. I'll become a more prayerful person. I'll become a more joyful person. I'll become a better husband. I'll become a better father, mother, sister, brother. There's all kinds of ways that we might finish that sentence. But, you know, Jesus actually finishes that sentence for us. He fills in the blank. Let's read it. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So if you become a follower of Jesus, he says that he's going to make you become something. What does he make you become? He makes you become a fisher of men and women, boys and girls. So as believers in Christ, we now join him on the search. We've been found, and now we join him in finding others. We fish for them. We're fishers if we're followers. Now, many of us would admit that we didn't decide to follow Jesus because we wanted to become evangelists. We didn't decide to follow Jesus because we wanted to become fishers of men and women, boys and girls. We, most of us would say, in all honesty, we didn't decide to follow Jesus for what he could make us. We decided to follow Jesus for what he could give us. And he does give us a lot. I mean, he gives us forgiveness of sins, eternal life, peace, and hope, and meaning, and purpose. He imparts his righteousness to us. He gives us so much. But it doesn't stop there. He also wants to make us something. He wants to make us become something. He wants to make us, everyone who's a follower of Jesus, his goal is to make us fishers, fishers of people, fishers of men and women, boys and girls. That's what he says. Now, if, that means that if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you haven't been fishing for a long time, for men and women, boys and girls, then doesn't that mean that something is wrong with your following? Jesus said, if we follow him, he'll make us fishers. Now you might be saying, I, I consider myself a follower of Jesus. So my question would be, so why aren't you fishing? So that's what I want to focus on this morning because I believe there are some reasons why some followers are not fishing. Some followers are not fishers. There's some reasons. I want to give you four of them today, and I want to give you the fifth one next Sunday. You don't want to miss next Sunday. This fifth one will revolutionize your life. But these four are first that we need to understand. Four, these are four things that are keeping fish, followers from being fishers. Okay? Number one. The number one thing that keeps followers from being fishers, number one, is they don't have a desire to go fishing. There's no desire to fish for men and women, boys and girls. Now, when it comes to fishing for fish, my wife, Tracy, has no desire to go fishing. In fact, I ruined her on our honeymoon. 
On her honeymoon, I got her up at 5 in the morning to take her fishing. I kept her out all day. I brought her in so we could eat. We went out in the evening. Mosquitoes were biting and bats were zooming by her head. That was her first and last time to ever go fishing with me. See, some people have decided that they don't want to fish for fish because they had a bad experience in doing that. Now, some people just imagined what it might be like and decided to take a pass. But the same is also true when it comes to fishing for men and women, boys and girls. Some maybe have stepped out one time and had a bad experience and decided, I'm not doing that anymore. Or some just imagined what it might be like and decided, I'll take a pass. Now, some people might have stepped out and they were rejected or they were persecuted and said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Just imagine what it might be like. But here's what I want you to notice. In the book of Acts, we have normal people. In the book of Acts in your Bible, normal people who became not just followers, but fishers. What happened to them to make them fishers? Let's just look and see. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is key. This is where it must start. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promised his followers this, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What? You shall be fishers. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So Jesus is saying that if followers are going to become fishers, they must be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be witnesses, to be fishers. The power to speak as we ought to speak, to speak bold, with boldness and clarity and confidence and wisdom and grace. But also, not only does the Holy Spirit give us power, the Holy Spirit gives us the not just the power to, but the desire to. The desire to be a fisher comes from the Holy Spirit as well. There's not anything in our human flesh that makes us care about anybody but ourselves. But the Holy Spirit comes in us, and all of a sudden we have the, the desire to be a fisher. That was my experience as a college student. After I was led to the Lord as a college student, somebody took me aside and explained to me the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they gave me something I can do on a daily basis. Now, I think it's important to be in meetings where God does something powerful through the laying on of hands. Those are important times. But it is important that on a day-to-day -day basis, we know how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I was taught. I was taught a very simple thing that I've, I've, not, I've never stopped doing in the last 45 years. And that is, he said, every day, make sure Jesus is on the throne of your life. Make sure he's in the driver's seat. Make sure he's leading because he is Lord. So every day, he said, wake up and relinquish control of your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us to do that, doesn't he? Take up your cross daily, die to yourself, follow me. So, okay, Jesus, you can lead my life. You're on the throne of my life. I relinquish control. And he says, and then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up with power today. So I started doing that as a college student. I haven't stopped doing that. And what happened was when I started doing that is all of a sudden I had this desire to see all the guys on my track team in college come to faith. All the desire, the desire for all the guys that were in engineering classes with me to come to Christ. All my family members, I mean, I hunted them down. I wanted them to know about Jesus. 
what happened to me. It was Holy Spirit is what happened to me. He gave me the desire to do this. And so it's really important that if we're going to be fishers as followers, that we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So on a daily basis, just and start today, say, Lord Jesus, I relinquish the Lordship of my life to you. You're on the throne of my life. You can lead my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit with power. Make that a daily thing. And, and you'll notice all of a sudden you see somebody that you have an interest in trying to fish for, trying to help it find. So it's a daily decision we need to walk in. Because, by the way, it's possible to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit one day and then the next day to shrink back in fear and intimidation. It's possible to walk in this great boldness and courage one day and then to shrink back the next day. In fact, that happened to people in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 2, you have Pentecost. The church is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon them in power. And what happens? Immediately, there's fishing. Peter jumps up and preaches a message. 3,000 get saved, right? What happens in Acts chapter 4? Two chapters later, what happens? What happens is you have the first persecution of the church. They are warned to stop preaching the name of Jesus or you're going to jail. Okay? So what happens? What do they do? Well, they are intimidated. I do think they stop fishing briefly, and they go to a prayer meeting. At the prayer meeting, they pray. Notice what happens. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Different phenomena from Acts 2, but same essence. The Spirit fills them to speak the gospel, the word. All right? So when they gathered together, and pray that place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So now again, they're no longer shrinking back in fear and intimidation. They're back at being fishers. Once again, they're fishing. Why? Holy Spirit power, that's why. It's a daily thing. And some of you that used to fish, stop fishing, it's time to start again. And, and it starts right there. Okay, Lord. I'm getting off the throne of my life. I ask you, Jesus, on the throne to be there, to lead my life and fill me with your spirit every day. Now, he will give you boldness. But let me explain an important thing here. Make sure we understand the difference between being bold and being obnoxious. Bold means that you don't shrink back in fear, fear of rejection or persecution, fear of any kind of intimidation. But you still use wisdom. You still walk in humility. You still walk in love. You still treat others like you want to be treated. You don't become obnoxious. And if you do become obnoxious, they will beat you up. <laughs> Just kidding. So that's the first thing. First thing, if we want, to, as a follower, to be a fisher, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, number two thing that keeps followers from fishing is they forgot that they were fish once. They forgot they were fish once. See, we tend to think that most people don't want to get caught. That's why we don't want to talk to them. But you got caught. Aren't you glad you got caught? There are people out there that are going to be glad they got caught. Just like you're glad you got caught. That's why we should be fishing for them. 
They will be so grateful that you reached out to them, so grateful that they were fished for and they got caught. I want you to think about the person that God used to lead you to Christ. Maybe it's several people, but there's probably someone that helped get you across the finish line. Think about that person. Aren't you glad that they fished for you? I mean, Teresa's testimony that she gave in the video about Mrs. Wilson. You know, Mrs. Wilson made a difference of, of, in so many people's lives because she walked across the street. And so my, my story was two guys on my college track team that just were after me. They would come down to my dorm room. They'd give me stuff to read. They would pray for me. They had track practice. They'd talk to me about spiritual things, kept inviting me to the Bible study. And yeah, was there a time I thought they were kind of pestering me? Yes. Am I glad they pestered me now? Oh, yeah. They kept fishing for me, and I'm so grateful they did. Don't ever forget that you were a fish once, too, and you got caught, and you're glad you got caught. And there are people out there that are going to be glad that you fished for them, and they're going to be glad they got caught. All right, number three. A third thing that keeps followers from fishing is they forgot why fishing matters, why it matters. There's, there's, a, there's a kind of politically correct perspective that much of the country has, and that is just let everyone believe what they want to believe. They will be fine in the end. It doesn't really matter. We don't really need a fish for them because everyone has their own belief system. Let's just let everybody believe what they want to believe. That's not how they thought in the book of Acts. Let's go back to the story. Remember, the early church had their first persecution in Acts chapter 4. They were warned not to preach the name of Jesus, just like our culture is increasingly telling us. Acts 4, verse 1, let's read. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. So that was the first intimidation. And then they commanded them after that to no longer preach the name of Jesus. So what did they say to that? Here's what they said to that. Acts 4, verse 20. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. This is a really important statement here. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen. We saw him, the resurrected Christ. We can't stop speaking about it. We saw him. He's alive. We saw him. I want you to notice here that Christianity is not just a belief system. It's a result of real events that are witnessed, witnessed by hundreds of people. We fish today because something happened and we need to talk about it. Something really happened and people witnessed it and refused to stop talking about it. And that's the resurrection of Christ. They saw the resurrected Christ. But I want you to notice something else that's key to the story. Something that caused these followers to be fishers in the first century. There's something they had a great conviction about that there is a waning of conviction about in, in, in the church in America. Waning 
a waning conviction about what they were, had a stern, powerful conviction about in the book of Acts. I want you to listen to what they say. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's why we fish. Because there's no other name. No other name under heaven that that people can turn to besides Jesus Christ and be saved. There's no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way. That's why we fish. That's why we tell people about Jesus, because there's no other way. If there was another way, then Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. He had to die on the cross because that was the only way. There's no other way. That's why we fish. If there was other ways to Jesus, why fish? But there's no other way. There's only one way, Jesus Christ, only one way. People need Christ. All people need Christ. Some people think, well, they, they're, they're probably fine. They're just doing fine. They'll be fine in the end. They won't be fine in the end. They need Christ. All people need Christ. Muslims need Jesus Christ. Hindus need Jesus Christ. Buddhists need Jesus Christ. Evolutionists need Jesus Christ. The rich need Christ. The poor need Christ. Every race, every nationality needs Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And if we don't have that conviction, why would we become a fisher? But that's the conviction of the Bible. That's the conviction of Jesus himself. That's the conviction of the apostles, conviction of the early church, the conviction of Scripture, and it's got to be our conviction. If it is, then we see why we should be passionate about fishing because eternal destinies are at stake. The eternal destinies of men and women, boys and girls, are at stake. There's no other name under heaven. There's no other way to heaven. It matters that we share the gospel. It matters. It'll matter forever and ever. I want you just to think for a moment about some friends that you have that don't know Christ. I want you to see their face in your mind's eye. I want you to think about family members of yours that don't know Christ. I want you to think about you know, students in your classes and co-workers in your workplace that don't know Christ. Think about that. My question to you is, if you don't fish for them, who will? Somebody's got to, because they are lost for eternity if they don't get caught. All right, there's one more thing. There's one more thing that keeps followers from fishing that I'll cover today. Next week, we'll cover the fifth one. Real important that you come next week. Don't forget next week. But the fourth thing that keeps followers from fishing is they need fishing buddies. They need fishing buddies. First century fishermen did not stand all by himself with a rod and reel. First century fishermen were a group of people with nets working together. That's how they fished. They fished with others helping. It was a team effort. I saw this when I was a young missionary in the Palau Islands a long time ago where we, we were going to catch a bunch of fish for the big jubilee we were having. People were coming from all the islands to celebrate the gospel had been in these islands now 50 years. And so we, we had to catch thousands of fish to feed everybody that was coming. And we were going to do it together as a team with nets. But actually, we only had one net. It was a net that was the shape of a V. And then we had everybody else getting in a large circle on this reef about three feet deep on low tide. And they got this rope. And this rope, they formed a circle with a rope floating on top of the water. 
And I'm like, well, how's this going to work? And they said, we're going to just walk the rope in tighter and tighter, make the circle smaller and smaller, and all the fish, they will not swim under this rope. They will go into the net. And I'm like, I got to see this. There's three feet for them to swim under. They won't swim. They won't go under that rope. They used to use a vine in the old days. So sure enough, so I got my mask, and I'm walking with that rope, and I'm looking underwater to see what the fish do. Sure enough, they'd swim right to where that rope was. they turned around and go into the net. And then we finally got to the end, and they just took the net and closed it up, and we had thousands of fish. But it took us as a team to do it. Evangelism is best done with teammates. And we really, I mean, having somebody that's praying with you about somebody, that's supporting you, holding you accountable. But also, I think one of the best ways we can lead someone to Christ, one of the best ways is inviting even a non-believer to your life group, our small group, our Bible study. Why? Why is that, why is that such an, you know, a powerful environment? Why? Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in your midst. So you're inviting them to come to a place where Jesus is. I've had people over the years come to me after a worship service with tears down their cheek. I've never seen them before. Tears down their cheek. There's their first time. And they walk up to me and they just look at me and, I'm, and I say, you okay? And they just say, I don't know why I'm crying. I say, I know why you're crying. Because you found the one you're looking for your whole life. Jesus, he's here. You found him. That's why you're crying. So invite people to your, your life group and so forth and, and, and into that environment. First Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the fact that if a non-believer walks into a worship service, the very presence of the Lord and the word of the Lord can bring them to repentance. You know, we're about to start our fall series. We want everybody involved in our fall series, everybody in small groups, starting second Sunday in September. You're going to be hearing about it from here on until we get to that kickoff. And here's the thing. We're asking every one of you to consider being a host, a host. I'm not, we're not asking you to be a leader, not asking you to be a teacher, asking you to be a host. Because we're going to give you, the staff has put together like 12 or 13 minute DVD teachings for six weeks, just six weeks. And you invite someone over to your apartment or your house and there's a DVD, but there's also, you can, you can live stream it. And for 12 or 13 minutes, there's a teaching. And then we've, the staff's put together these work booklets. They have discussion questions. You pass those out and you have a discussion together. And everyone, you can do it. There's not anyone in this room, I don't believe that couldn't be a host. All you got to do, you can invite just a few people. You can invite 15 or 20. Say, come over to the house for six weeks, just six weeks. We're going to have something to eat. We're going to have an hour-long meeting. We're going to play like a 12-minute teaching. We're going to discuss it. Get your thoughts on it. And let's see what God will do. So we're just, I'm, asking, I'm asking all of you to consider being a host just for six weeks. Six weeks. But that environment is a great time to work together and fish, make friendships, Learn about people. And next week, learn one of those important things you need to know how to do. Don't forget to come next week. Okay, let me say one more thing. We're about to close. And that is simply this. Some of you have been hiding for a long time. In all honesty, you know you've not yet repented and turned to Christ. You've been hiding. There's some people in this room. You've been hiding. There's some people online you're watching, but you've been hiding from God. And you realize that it's time to get caught. And I just want you to know that God is saying to all those who are hiding, all ye, all ye income free. It's time to be caught.
It's time to stop hiding. Come in, no penalties. You know, you know, you know, you know you're not going to suffer anything. Just be able to come in and be pump, become part of the family of God. And if that's you, you're saying, you know what? It's time. It's time. I've been putting this off. I've been holding God at arm's length, but it's time to get caught. It's time to be found. It's time to stop hiding. It's time to come to Jesus. And if that's you and some of you know right now that's for you, then during, after I close the service and dismiss, there's going to be some leaders down front, and I'll be down front too, that we'd love just to talk to you and pray for you about the next steps for you. Also, again, at 5 o'clock today, I teach Discovering Grace membership class. And if you've never taken it, you're going to get a chance to really hear some things tonight that are going to, at 5 o'clock, that are going to really help you understand how the Bible all fits together and explains what God really, is. the real intention is for, for you to know him and walk with him. So come to that. But also, if you've never taken the class and, and you want to just connect here, please, please come at 5 o'clock. And then tomorrow night, part two is 7. But let's stand for prayer, and we'll dismiss here in just a second. Father, we thank you that you are a seeking, searching God, that you have all, you're always on mission. You're always seeking and searching and pursuing. We thank you, you that you found us. We thank you that we got caught. And, Lord, we pray that, you, you now, that we can now be used by you to help find others who are hiding who are, who are lost, who need to be caught. And we ask you, Lord, that you would just really fill us with your spirit today. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us up. Give us a desire to see people caught. Give us the power to speak as we ought to speak. Lord, remind us, Lord, that we were fish once, and we're glad we got caught as we see people Lord, and also give us that conviction there's no other way. There is no other way but you. So this week, Lord, I pray that you just give us eyes to see the way we ought to see our surroundings and people around us. And Lord, to make us fishers of men and women, boys and girls. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you are dismissed here, if you're new here, we'd love to meet you over here in this welcome corner. And also we have Connection Coffee in this back corner. Staff answer any questions you might have. And we do have prayer up front. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.